Although I've said these words to us on several occasions since first beginning this study about the soon coming end of days, I want to keep reminding us that all of the events that we're studying about, especially here in the book of Revelation, and we'll be studying the book of Daniel, they're all part of a carefully devised, orchestrated plan that God put into place long before this earth and men and angels were ever created. Many well-intended sermons have been preached that describe mankind's earthly adventure as some kind of failed experiment in which God finally will decide to go ahead and cut his losses and call everything to a close. And that is just not at all true. Not at all true. God is ever and always absolutely sovereign. His will and all of His plans are in every way by intentional design. And all we have to do is read these words here in front of us, here in Revelation, and again, as we'll read today in the book of Daniel. These words are clear and plain. This is God's hand at work at every turn. And we get to see it, whether it was written 2,500 years ago by Daniel, or 2,000 years ago by John, we can see this carefully devised script where God's hand is at work at every turn, directing men and angels as they carry forward this plan for this final episode that's going to take place on the earth. Now, why is it so important for us to keep saying that to ourselves? To keep rehearsing these biblical truths. It's because as you and I observe the events of these present days of trouble, and as we slowly move towards the chaos and the confusion of the tribulation that is still ahead of us, we can know with confidence and assurance that God really does have all of these matters well in hand. That the turmoil that will turn into unimaginable suffering towards the end of the tribulation, that during it all, God really is faithful. And He is trustworthy to any and all who will turn and put their faith in Him. And yes, on that day of the rapture, we who have Christ as our Savior will be taken away to be with Christ. And so we'll not have to suffer the worst of the tribulation that we're going to be talking about here today. But that doesn't mean that you and I are not going to suffer at all. To the contrary, all we have to do, again, is see the signs of the time. All that's taking place in the Middle East countries and how that suffering is slowly spreading towards us here in America, a little each day. One person at a time. The one last week that we talked about in the Fort Lauderdale airport. That's a reflection of what's going on in the Mideast and that's a reflection of what we're reading about here. It's coming to us. And you and I need to be prepared and know what's really taking place. Else we're going to be confused and not know how to respond. Those incidents are not just man's inhumanity to man. It's all part of this scripted plan that God has that He put in place before the foundations of the earth. And thankfully, right here in these Scriptures, God has given us everything that we need for our preparation. 
we need only to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus asked that question and made that statement on several occasions. He wants you and me to have eyes to see and ears to hear. But we can only do that with the indwelling Holy Spirit. I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. I want you to read along with me and and listen carefully to the words that are given there. And there's some exacting accuracy concerning these end of days. Prophecies that will unfold exactly in the time frame that God has prophesied. Now first I want us to go to Daniel chapter 12. And I want you to note in here that 500 years before John wrote about the rapture, Daniel is writing also about the rapture. This is Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Verse 1, At that time, and he's speaking there of the end of days, At that time shall arise Michael, the archangel, the great prince who has charge of our people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. You can see that time of trouble fomenting, boiling up, churning up. There shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But listen, but at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And he's talking there about the Lamb's book of life. He talks about that over in the book of Revelation. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up these words, seal this book. He said, that's all I'm going to say about this right now until the end of time. He says, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Many will run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. In other words, there's going to be a lot of people talking about what these end days are going to look like. They're going to be speculating. Some of them will have it correct. Some of them won't. So he simply says, many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, Prophet Daniel here was a man of dreams and of visions. That's what we know him best by. And through those dreams and those visions, God gave Daniel these prophecies. Prophecies about things that would take place during his own day. And so he would advise the king on those things. But then prophecies like this. Prophecies that have to do with things that are going to take place later and even in the very last days of this earth. And Daniel's visions seem to most often involve God's mightiest of angels. In the words that I just Read, he spoke of Michael the archangel, understood by us to be the most powerful angel in heaven. Other times, though, he speaks of Gabriel. Gabriel is a kind of messenger angel. And that's what we're going to read about here next. Turn to chapter 9 of Daniel. This will go through Daniel 20 through 27. 
Daniel 9, verse 20. Now while I was speaking and praying, this is Daniel, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, speaking of Jerusalem. While I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Wouldn't you love that to be said by one of God's most important angels? To say, you are highly esteemed. Or as he said to Mary, he said, you're highly favored. That's a great compliment coming from the greatest of those who could compliment us. He says, you are highly esteemed, Daniel. Give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Now these next words, pay close attention because they have a lot to do with what's going to take place in our future. So verse 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin. Now by the way, each of these clauses have just a whole sermon in themselves. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. That clause is talking about after Christ died on the cross in 33 A.D. In 70 A.D., in came the Romans and destroyed the city. The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood even to the end. There will be war, desolations and uh, are determined. And now here's a prophecy for the future. Verse 27, He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Now notice, we've already gone through 69 weeks of the 70 weeks and here's another week. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of that week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings, and on the wings of abomination will come one who makes desolate. That's also very important language for the end time because there's one who will bring an, be an abomination that will bring desolation. Even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Talking about the very end of time. Now, these time periods that we're talking about here that's described in this prophecy as weeks, 70 weeks, it's interpreted by most all Bible scholars as being weeks of years. The 62 weeks and the 7 weeks, a total of 69 out of the 70 weeks that he spoke about there first. Those are the interim years between when Daniel was in 
exile there in Babylon until Christ came and died on the cross. 490 years. Weeks of years. Seven sevens. 49. 490 years. And those are exact. Those are exact calculations. Now, however, it's understood that that 70th week of God's prophecy that he spoke about here was put into abeyance because you'll notice he only talked about the 69. But then he went back and spoke of this extra week. And so it's understood that that 70th week of God's prophecy here will be put into abeyance by God that immediately following Christ's death on the cross, the 70th week of of that prophecy, that final seven years, was suspended in time and it will begin again at the time of the rapture. And from that moment of the rapture will be seven years. That'll be the last week. It'll be the great tribulation. Now in that 70th week, after we've been raptured away, the Antichrist will descend or ascend and begin his rise to dominance and power. And he'll dominate for the next seven years, the Antichrist. And recall that we just got through saying here that in his first three and a half years of power, the first half of that tribulation, that seven-year period, the Antichrist, he's going to be very accommodating. We covered that in last week's message. He's going to be very accommodating and helpful, and he's going to be providing protection and food and other necessities for all those people who've been left behind. He's going to be making friends and influencing people and, and gaining their favor all over the world because he's going to have answers for them that they didn't have on their own. But then at the middle part of that seven years, three and a half years, everything's going to change. He's going to change. We read that. Listen, now this is chapter 9 again. Verse 27, then he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one week. He says, I'm going to take care of you over these next years. But in the middle of that week, he shall bring an end of the sacrifice and offering. We're going to read about that in a moment because that's his interaction with Israel. He's going to bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wings of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. Now what he's going to do is he's going to bring in a whole other form of belief. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now I want to say this again for us. This person that all of these words here that I'm reading about in this prophecy is the Antichrist. He will rise to such great power, the most powerful man on the earth. He'll be so charismatic that people will turn to him from every language and tongue. Now along with this Antichrist... We read in Revelation chapter 13, there will be two other demons that rise to power with him. They're called beasts. And the three of them will form this consortium and they will pattern themselves after God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Counterfeits, but that's who they want to look like. That's who they want to look like. Now recall again the words that I just read here from Daniel chapter 9. This Antichrist, he is so crafty in carrying out his demonic plan. Up through that first three and a half years of the 70th week, the Antichrist will have been so helpful to most all of the people of the world, especially to Israel. He will win the favor of Israel, even to the point of supporting Israel 
in the rebuilding of their temple. And they will reinstitute the Old Testament system of sacrifices. How do you know that? It's because after three and a half years, we just got through reading, the Antichrist will stop that sacrificial system. Do you realize that Israel has not had a sacrificial system for all these many years? Certainly since Christ. Why? The temple was destroyed. For many, many years, they had no place to go to sacrifice. They can only legitimately sacrifice in the temple. It's so obvious that the temple will be rebuilt. But now, as the Antichrist is working so closely with Israel, there in chapter 17, we read where the Antichrist, along with his two powerful demon beasts, will be forming this other one world religion. It's called the harlot. We read all about the harlot there in chapter 17. Now first, that one world religion will willingly work together with all the other religions of the world. Whether it be Judaism or Christianity or Islam or Buddhism. But then, then the Antichrist will suddenly reduce all those religions down to just one. His own. His one world religion. And it's believed that they will headquarter that new one world religion right there in Jerusalem in that new temple that's built. Why? That is this abomination that brings desolation. There's no greater abomination than to put that one world religion right on top of God's temple. And he was talking about God's temple when he spoke of the abomination of desolation. There's a lot of other things taking place while all this is taking place. Let me paint the picture for you. There is this demonic world that's invisible to our eyes. We can only see what's taking place in the natural world. Those demonic spirits, yes, they do infest these world leaders, many of them being religious leaders, some of them being governmental leaders. But you have all of this taking place in both of those realms Now let me read for you what's taking place in the invisible realm. This is Daniel chapter 8, verse 9. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, towards the glorious land. That's Israel, by the way. It's called the beautiful land in another translation. And listen, it grew great even to the host of heaven, and some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. Now let me say to you that the word stars here does not always imply the bright shiny objects you see in the sky. The stars being spoken of here are angels, demonic angels. Remember when Satan first wanted to rise to power, when he first turned against God, he wanted to exert himself above the stars of the heaven, above every other angel. So here is this battle going on. And some of the hosts, it says, some of the, and some of the stars, it threw down, it being Satan, the demonic angel, threw down to the ground and trampled on them. And you see, this is this power struggle that's going on in this invisible realm where the Antichrist is doing all of this and he's consolidating his power putting it all under just the three, himself, these other two beasts, this unholy trinity. And then in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, this is what's going on in the natural world. 
Verse 31, forces from him, the Antichrist, will arise. They'll desecrate the sanctuary fortress. Now this is, this is what's going on inside the temple that's been rebuilt. And they'll do away with the regular sacrifices. And they will set up the abomination of desolation. This is where these other world leaders of their religions, they will all be cast down and trampled. So then all you've got left is the Antichrist. And we're going to find out why he did that in just a moment. Now, during the same time that all of this is taking place, where this religious kingdom is being set up, where Satan, the Antichrist, is consolidating his power and these other two beasts are demanding that everybody in the world start to worship him as God or die. That's what that's the choice that's given to them. While all that's going on, and they're casting down these and getting rid of all of these other religious leaders, consolidating down to the one world religion. At that same time, while all that's taking place, Satan, the Antichrist, is doing other things. He's a multitasker. He is also spreading his power and his control to dominate every part of life on the earth. And in particular, he takes control over the financial markets of the world. In chapter 18, you get to read about that. And we read about how he sets up his control offices of of the financial world in Babylon. Babylon. There's been a lot of conjecture as to where Babylon is going to be. Is it going to be where the old Babylon was? Right there in modern-day Iraq. Near Baghdad. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. Many Bible commentators, by the way, do think that it's going to be set up real close there. So he's the Antichrist is running the religious world from Jerusalem, and he has his control over the financial markets in Babylon. He'll be able to control all of the financial markets of the world. And that's when he's going to fully institute this mark of the beast, the 666, all financial transactions. And for you and me, we think in terms of going to the grocery store. Yes, that will be controlled by the 666. But let me assure you that those greater transactions were massive blocks of stocks and bonds and all of those other kinds of investments that are taken care of every day. They also will be controlled under the financial Constraints of this 666. It's going to be required. Now thankfully, God will not permit all that kind of activity of the Antichrist to continue without consequences. Eventually, his financial world will collapse. And it does. Now what would cause that financial collapse? That financial collapse is going to be brought about because God, while all of this is going on in the demonic world and out here in the natural world where where the Antichrist is assuming all of these positions of of glory and, and authority, God is also at work. And God is doing, and we'll read about it next week in, in chapter 8. He is having his angels pour out what's called bowls of wrath bowls of wrath upon all of the nations of the world pouring out plagues and floods and earthquakes and wars and civil disobedience and on and on. And that's all taking place. And when that's taking place, 
commerce does not work. The average workplace can't continue to survive. And so that's going to bring about death, destruction, disarray, and collapse. Now, with the financial collapse, the cries of the people, I want you to read along with me in Revelation chapter 18. Read this. This is the cries of the people. Now, I'm going to be reading quite a bit, and I'll be skipping some verses, but I'll let's start at verse 1. Revelation chapter 18. We're talking about this fall of the financial empires of the world that are run by the Antichrist. Verse 1, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Now, now this is after the collapse. He's, he's crying out with a loud voice, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So now they've they've become so wealthy and they were... You can just picture them in all of their glory and then suddenly the stock market collapsed and they suddenly have nothing. All of this balance that had built up on their side of the income books disappears. Skip down to verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her and the her being this financial market when they see the smoke of her burning. And I'm picturing whether that be uh, Babylon or whether that, and it appears to be, or whether that be a New York City they'll see the smoke of her burning. Verse 10. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city. For in one hour, all of a sudden, in one hour, your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Verse 15. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches come to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors and and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning. So you get this understanding that every person on earth, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us, they're saying. Verse 19, They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who have ships of the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon will be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists and music, all of these arts and the symphonies and all that people want to be a part of, 
The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeteers shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. Now again the question before we close. What has taken place to bring about this downfall of all of the world's financial system? This economic system that the Antichrist had put into place? The answer is God's hand reaches in. He brings this unspeakable wrath upon the whole world and upon all of the works of the Antichrist. And he brings it to collapse. Now next week, Lord willing, we'll begin reading about all of that wrath being poured out in chapter 8 of Revelation. About the things that God will begin to do to bring about then His final end of all the plans and the purposes of the Antichrist and His demons. But we'll close for now. Let's pray.